0: Hi, it's Andy, and welcome to the Hills Church Podcast. Our hope is that this will help your life and inspire your faith. Thanks again for checking us out. Good morning, everyone. How are you all doing? Good. How awkward would it be if I said, how are you all doing? Are you like, not great, to be honest, Nathan? Uh, Graham would like me to wish Chloe a happy birthday, (laughs) but I won't do it because that will embarrass her. Nah, no, I'm kidding, it was Chloe's birthday on Friday, so why don't we give Chloe a cheer? When, uh, when Victoria just said, good old Nathan, Andrea turned to me and said, you are old, you know? <laughs> so it's nice to have a loving, supporting wife that's encouraging me as I come to speak today and reminding me that I'm, ge- I'm getting on a bit. <laughs> today is a message all about forgiveness, so uh, there we go. You can ask me for forgiveness later, Andrea. Uh, we, as Victoria said, we are doing Summer in the Psalms collection of talks. Uh, over summer, we are looking at the book of Psalms and how actually it's a good template for how it answers one of the questions of how do I relate to God? How do I speak to God? How, how can I have a relationship with God? Because sometimes, if you're anything like me, you can find it difficult to think, actually, I don't know what to say to God. I don't know how to relate to God. And Psalms is a collection of songs that where people are singing to God, and the good thing about it is, is some of them aren't great, some of them are frustrations, some of them are complaints, some of them are in people's bad days and people's tough times, and, uh, and we, today we are doing one of these psalms, it's a pivotal psalm, it's Psalm 51. Emma Broly said to me recently, she said, you always get the tough topics, Nathan. <laughs> And I was preparing this, thinking, "Oh yeah, this is this is quite this is a juicy one right here." Um, if you before we begin though, if you don't know who I am, I am Nathan. Um, you might know from the sound of my voice that I'm from the other side of the Glen Shane. Uh, <laughs> me and my wife swam over for the weather. We thought we just love rain. We love rain, so we, that's why we're here. But um, and uh, we'd love to get to know you as well. And we're grateful that you've come today and that you're uh, part of the Hills Church as well. Um, it was nice to get the sun yesterday, though, wasn't it? Those few hours yesterday afternoon that come out, all the boys on station were going, ah, oh, it'll be, yeah, the good weather's coming on Thursday. Like, you know it's a rough summer when you're going on Thursday. One Thursday, you're going to have good weather. Anyway, let's begin. Psalm 51, I'm going to read it. It's a long psalm, so bear with me. Hopefully you can understand me. This is what it says. It's a psalm written by David, and it was arguably David's darkest day. The moment David is known for two things in his life, he's known for when he when he slayed the giant, and he's known for when he fell at his own depravity as well, and he um, will go into it. But this is what he says: He says, "Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin." For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. Do good to Zion, and your good pleasure build up your walls, the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Let's pray quickly, Father God. We thank you that you're in our midst. We thank you that the Bible is not just a book about people's successes and people's wins and people's victories, but actually it's a book about when people drop the ball, when people make mistakes. And Lord, so we thank you that it's a good example for us in life as well. That you're not asking for perfect people, but you're asking for people that come to you and say, Lord, we're sorry that we messed up. So we pray that as we learn from this psalm today, that you'd speak to us, that we've come away having experienced you, having. Heard from you, Lord. In your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to uh, get get us getting a bit real with people this morning. Was anyone a bad kid? Put your hand up if you're a bad kid. I knew you'd put your hand up, Maddie. There's something I just knew. <laughs> you're next to your mum as well, so you could hardly not put your hand up. I was not a bad kid. If you ask my mum, I was probably I was out of the, out of me and my sister. I was probably the better of the two of us, but. Still, obviously, made a few mistakes in my life. Um, and I was thinking, as I was preparing for this time, I was reminded of a story of, um, did anyone draw on the walls at home? Was that a thing that you used to do when you were a kid? Well, my sister, she must have been about three years old, she she had, it just, it amazes me how no one has to teach you to be bad, do they? Like, when, when you're born, it's not like, right, we're going to do some lessons in breaking the rules here. There's just something natural in all of us where we know, we know how to break rules and we, and we do it as well. And uh, my sister, three years old, I don't know if she'd been taught not to draw on the walls or not, but um, she was upstairs and she got a pencil and right just along the wall, she drew all along the wall, all down the hallway, and then walked down the stairs and drew it all down the stairs. And then she obviously knew it was wrong. So, before, so as soon as she finished, she dropped the pencil and walked straight to my mum and dad's who were none the wiser to what had just happened. She walked right up to them, and she went, I didn't draw on your wall. <laughs> so then they're like, OK. And then they go and check. Oh, someone has drawn on the wall. What, this, this is the difference in, in my sister and myself. My sister, obviously, she drew on the wall, and it was quite obvious, and then she denied it. Whereas what I did, and I don't know why, like, I was raised in a Christian family, and so I wanted to draw on the wall, but do it in a way where I thought I couldn't get in trouble. So what I did was I drew a cross. This is a true story. I drew a cross behind the curtain. So I was like, they can't see it, and how can you tell me off for drawing a cross? We're all we're all We're all broken. We're, there, there are no perfect people in this life, they're, they're, we're all messed up, we're all broken, we all do things that we shouldn't do, we all don't do things that we should do. And there's one thing that we don't brag about at the Hills Church, is we don't b- brag about being perfect. If you are looking for a perfect church, you're in the wrong place, I hate to break it to you. In fact, if you're looking for a perfect church, you probably shouldn't go there, because the chances are that when you join it, it'll become imperfect. Imperfect. That actually, we're all broken, we all do things that are wrong, and um, Psalm 51 is a is a good blueprint on how we can, what, what to do when we make mistakes, what to do when we mess up. It's, the Bible calls it sin, and it might sound like a heavy word, but actually, I think all of us wrestle with this. We try to be good people, we try to live well, we try to be uh, contribute to society, but actually, there's moments in our life where we feel shame, where we feel ashamed of what we've done, where we feel like we should be better than we are. And Psalm 51 is exactly that. David was the king of Israel. If anyone should be shining a good example on his people, it was David. And yet, David, arguably one of the biggest sins that he could have done, what happened was he committed adultery. And then he got so far into it that it just got worse and it escalated and it escalated and it escalated. And I think it's great that we've got an example on actually how do I respond when things when I mess up? How do I re- respond when things go wrong? So what, this is uh, the story you can find of where David messes up is in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 11 and 12. And this is how it starts. It says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, In the spring at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Here's a good example on how to resist temptation, on how to, if you're thinking, I don't know how to stop doing that or I'm getting into that pattern again. Well, what was David doing? When David should have been at war, he was actually at home. When he should have been fighting, he was actually at home. Isn't it easier to not make a mistake on a Saturday night when you know you should be serving at church on a Sunday morning. Like, oh, I shouldn't go out too late. I shouldn't drink too much. I shouldn't hang out with those people because I know tomorrow morning I've got a commitment. If you're finding it hard to get out of a pattern or a habit or anything, ask yourself the question, how can I put things in place where I'm fighting? Maybe it's going on a walk and praying. Maybe there was, um, I went to Bible college and uh, one, of, one of the guys that I was studying with, he used to say this to us, he used to say, uh, the Bible can keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from the Bible. It's a lot harder to get into patterns and habits of making mistakes if you're constantly reading this and getting stuck into the Word. If you're getting into church and surrounding yourself with God's people, if you're getting involved in groups, it's a lot harder to drop the ball if people are encouraging you and championing you on. We need to put ourselves in community. In fact, our, our, one of our professors, he said, he said, I'm yet to find a Christian that's backsliding, so like they're going away from God who has a healthy prayer life. Maybe the very thing that we need to stop ourselves from falling into habits and patterns of mistakes and sin and messing up is actually just going, actually, God, I'm going to fill my time with something else. I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to dwell on the things above. I'm going to set my mind on the things above that actually I've got no time. I've got got no time to hang out with those people. I've got no time to make those mistakes. I've got no time to get into those habits. It's the phrase that people say often, the devil makes work for idle hands. And maybe that's the thing. That's just a bit of a side encouragement for us today. But why, why don't you just get involved in the fight and get stuck in? There's plenty of opportunity in the Hills Church to serve and get involved. And even if you've got a day during the week, I'm sure Victoria and Andy aren't going to say to you, "Nah, we don't need your help in the office. Come into the office and get stuck in. Do a, do a Bible course online or something. And what's, what's one of the ways that you can say, actually, I want to put my faith in you and I want to be on the front line like David wasn't. So what David did was he was at home and he just happened to be out one night. He couldn't sleep and he looked out and he seen Bathsheba bathing, which I've always found it odd that, so that you could be able to see someone on top of their house bathing. So I don't know what Bathsheba was doing there. Maybe she was trying to entice him, but he seen her bathing and he said to his people, I I want that woman, I need that woman. Turns out she was married and he ended up sleeping with her. She got pregnant. And then David did what I'm sure some of us have done when we've started to get found out for something wrong we've done. He panicked and he tried to cover for himself. Like my sister, when she was like, I didn't draw on your wall. What did David do? He went, right, okay, I'm in a bad situation here. So Bathsheba's husband was actually fighting for him on the front line. So he went, right, let's get Uriah, her husband, to come back. And then he's just gone out to war. He's come back to his wife. Naturally, things are going to happen. And then we can say she got pregnant from him. So he brings Uriah back. And Uriah says, when Uriah comes back, he refuses to go into the house. Because he says, how can I I eat and drink in my own home and make love to my wife when my brothers and sisters are fighting on the front line? Whilst we're at a time of war, I will refuse to go in. So then David's panicking again. He's like, oh, I need to do something else then. So he gets Uriah drunk. He thinks, oh, if he's drunk, then he'll definitely go in. But Uriah had enough self-control to say, I'm not going to go into my own house. So then, then David's like, right, I need to find another solution. So he says, okay, he speaks to one of his commanders. He said, right, put Uriah on the front line of the war, and then when the when the fighting gets tough, I want you to all back off. So all of, all of what happened was they put Uriah on the front line, all of his soldiers backed off, and then Uriah actually died in war. So then David looked like an honorable king because Uriah had left his wife at home and he was dead. So he was like, right, I'll marry her. And then she gave birth to a son. So David lived with this. Not only did he make a mistake, not only did he mess up, but then he tried to cover him for himself and it escalated and it escalated and it escalated. Isn't it funny how sometimes when secrets stay hidden, they actually cost us more in the long run. They actually they actually cost us more. I, had a, I was at an 18th birthday party, and I was driving my sister's car there. And um, it was a Ford car. Can you imagine? Six-foot-two man driving a Ford car, little silver thing. And, um, and I drove it there. I drove to the party, and then I got home. And then that week, we're looking at the car, and there was like a dent in the side of the car. We're thinking, what's happened there? So a couple of months go by, and um, I was in a rush. Iron Man was in the cinema. Right. I had just come out of the cinema and I, I was working on a Saturday and it was like I finished work at half seven and the cinema show was like 10 past 8, quarter past 8. So mad rush to get home and then mad rush to go to the cinema. But I needed some cash to pay for the tickets. So I drove into the local shop and I drove, I, I hate to admit it, I drove the wrong way around a one-way system. And then I parked next to a trolley park and as I turned into the trolley park, I misjudged the turn and I ended up crunching the door of the car. Right, I did not go to see Iron Man that night. I was that annoyed at myself. I had to drive home. My sister was at home. I had to be like, I've just crashed your car into a trolley park. So anyway, that week when we're getting, I'm at school and I'm talking about, to some of the guys that I'm mates with, I'm talking about the fact that I've just uh, just dented the, the door. And one of my mates goes, oh, did, did Ollie pay you back for when he crashed into your car? I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you know Beth's party. Yeah. He's like, well, we all, we all jumped into Ollie's car to drive down to the local shop to buy cheaper alcohol. And, uh, and as, as he was driving, he drive and, drove into the side, of the side of your car. He was like, and then we, he tried to back out, but he started scraping more. So then he just decided to just plow on through and drive in through further. I was like, I never even knew about that. So because of that, I then go to Ollie, and I'm like, mate, did you crash into my car? And the look on his face when he realized it had come out. What happened with Ollie was he had to pay more for the repair because he was paying for my damage that I'd done to the car at the same time. I paid a little bit. I wasn't that bad to him. But isn't it amazing how sometimes when we keep things hidden, if he'd have just said at the time that it would have been cheaper bill for him in the long run, but actually because it had taken its time and because That's what can happen when we make mistakes and we try to keep them hidden. If we don't bring them out to the light, if we're not honest about it, if we try to hide it, if we try to pretend that we didn't do it, that actually they end up costing us more in the long run. And this actually ended up costing David more in the long run because not only was he someone that just had an affair, but then he became a murderer and then he became someone that hid it and it, it sacrificed his integrity at the same time as well. I think there's three responses we can give when we make a mistake. We can, we can fight it, we can pretend like we're better than that, we can pretend like we, didn't, we never did it, I didn't draw on your wall, we can, we, we can, we can deny it almost, we can run from it, we can, we can hide from it, so we can fight it, we can flight it, that's what um, Adam and Eve did when they, when they ate of the, the fruit, what did they do? They covered themselves in fig leaves, they hid from God because they were like, we're ashamed of what we've done, we want to hide from it. Or the third thing that we can do is we can surrender. The third thing we can do is we can surrender. But how should we respond in that moment? How do we surrender? And that is, I think that is what Psalm 51 is showing us. Because even though David made some of the gravest mistakes, even though he messed up the most, he actually shows us that God's not judgmental. All God wants to do is connect with us. What does David do in the first thing? In Psalm 51 verse 1, he says, have mercy on me, O oh God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Do you know the first thing? Remind ourselves of who God is. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I've made some mistakes, Nathan, I've really messed up. There's no way that God will love me. There's no way that God can accept me. There was a girl I used to work with, and she'd say, I'd invite all the girls at work to church all the time, and she'd say, oh, if I came there, I'd be, I'd be struck down. I'll be struck down. I'm like, well, I've not been struck down yet. <laughs> Sometimes we can kid ourselves and make us think that God just demands us to be perfect, yet I think all God wants to do is he just wants to connect with us. And us, we're stopping ourselves from connecting with God because we're ashamed. But if we remind ourselves of who God is, that he is loving, that he is good, that he is merciful, as it says in Psalm 1, that he has steadfast love, abundant mercy, that God's not going to be like, You've really let me down today. God's going to be grateful that you, oh, you've, just, you've reached out to me. I'm so grateful that you've come to speak to me. That's what he does with David in this, according to your steadfast love. The second thing is to get perspective on our sin, get perspective on our mistakes. That David, David obviously, he, he did wrong to Bathsheba. He did wrong to Uriah. He did wrong to the people of Israel. He did wrong to himself. And yet, what does he say? He says in uh, Psalm 51, verse 4, he says, against you. Only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Actually, when we do mess up, there's a bigger, the ultimate person that we mess up against is God. It might feel like it might be small. It might feel like it might be about that person or about this person. But actually, ultimately what we're doing is we're we're, we're allowing ourselves to not follow God in that moment. And so we need to get perspective both on who God is and then perspective on what we've done. But I think the biggest lesson from this is just because there's consequence doesn't mean that God's punishing you. Just because there's consequence doesn't mean that God's punishing you. The, what happened with David's actions is that um, how the prophet Nathan was sent to David and the prophet Nathan, he, he came up with this story and he said to David, he was like, there's a, there's a rich owner who's got lots of cattle and then there's a poor man who's got one goat, I think, or maybe a lamb. And he says, the, the rich owner comes and stays with the poor man. And instead of deciding, and what he says is he's like, I'm hungry. Let's sacrifice your lamb. So he sacrifices the poor man's lamb, and they eat it that night. And he says to David, he says, was the rich man justified in what he did? David's like, no way. That's outrageous. He should pay, the rich man should pay four times worth the lamb. For what he's done and Nathan says you are that man you've taken what is not yours and the Lord knows and the Lord sees and so there are going to there are consequences for your actions you know you reap what you sow there are consequences when we make mistakes sometimes things cost sometimes we have to pay the bill for the car to get fixed there is payment I'm sure Mum and dad had to redecorate after my sister drew or dad was just there with a rubber going along the line But just because there's consequence doesn't mean there's punishment. The ultimate price for our mistakes, the ultimate price for our sin has been paid. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And there is one person who took on that death that we deserved so that we could live the life that we couldn't live. And that person is Jesus. What happens in the end is David and Bathsheba get married. And then they lose their first son. But then she gets pregnant again. And she carries Solomon the future king of Israel. Do you know what? God can bring out so much from our mistakes and our mess as long as we come to him with humble hearts and say, Lord, I'm sorry for my mistakes. And Lord, I'm sorry for messing up. It's incredible what God can do. This is, uh, Dave, David actually says in Psalm 51, he says, once, "Once, he was like, once you've shown me mercy, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O oh God, O oh God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Do you know what? Those mistakes you've made, that mess you're in, that could become the message you share with other people. Isn't it incredible the power of when you say, actually, I'm just as broken as you? I try and say that to the girl that I'd invite to church all the time. I'm like, I'm just as messed up as anyone. Yet God's done something significant in my life, and it's incredible what God can do in our lives when we come to Him, and also the impact that it can have on other people as well. And here's the last thing, as, we're, as we close, band, if you want to come up. This is the last thing to remember. It's that it's not about making bad people good. This, this message of grace is not about just behavior modification. You know, if you're anything like me, you make a mistake, you mess up, and you go, right, I'm going to try harder next time, God. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try and fight it. I'm going to try and be a better person. But actually... What he says, what, what David says is he says, create in me a clean heart O God and renew a right spirit with me. That this life of grace is not about behavior modification. It's not about tweaking. It's actually about heart transformation. That today, the Lord wants to create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within us. Paul says this in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. He says, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the the new is here. I think sometimes we think that the Christians that are living well are the ones that have tried the hardest. But actually, what if they were just the ones that just surrendered to God more and said, Lord, do you know what? I can't do this on my own. I've tried and I've failed. I've made mistakes. I've messed up. I've let you down, Lord. And God's just saying, right, well, allow me, allow me to do the hard work. Allow me to create the clean heart. Allow me to renew your spirit. See, if we try to fight it, that's behavior modification. If we try to run away, that's denial. But if we surrender, that's what leads to transformation. We just say, Lord, here I am. I'm sorry I've messed up. I'm sorry I've messed up. I need you and I need your help making me a clean heart, because David messed up pretty pretty significantly. And yet the Bible refers to David as being a man after God's own heart. And I'm reminded if David can mess up so much, if he can drop the ball so much, if he can go so far from what he should be living, so far from what he should be doing, and yet God still say he's a man after my own heart, God still use him to lead his people. God still to refer to him as one of the giants of faith, as an example for us all. If God can do that in David, then I know that he can forgive me of what I've done. I know that he can use me in spite of it. I know that he can create in me a clean heart. I know that he's looking down at me and he's saying, Nathan, you are my son. I love you. I know we've messed up. I know you've, I know you've, I know you've made mistakes but allow me to change you from the inside out. So why don't we just stand and pray together. I was sitting last night and I was going over notes for this morning and I was just so grateful that we can have access to God. Even in our darkest moments, even in our darkest days, right here, right now, we can have a relationship with God. And um and more than anything, I was just like, I need, I'm crying out to the Lord to create in me a pure heart, a clean heart. So I just thought it'd be a good moment for us all today. If you if if this is something for you, why don't you just close your eyes and bow your heads? But if this is something you're saying, actually, Lord finding this hard at the moment and I need you to move my life, then all I ask, and this isn't, this isn't so I can see or anything like that and the band their eyes will be closed as well, but just, just hold out your hands to receive from him. I'm holding out my hands with you and I'm just going to pray for us and so Lord, Lord, if we're honest with ourselves, we mess up daily. If we're honest with ourselves, we need you more than we even realise. And Lord, we just ask that we could be people of surrender. Lord, we don't profess to be perfect. We don't profess to have it all together. In fact, very much not so. But Lord, we ask that actually creating us a clean heart, renew our spirit, Lord, so that turn our mess into our message. Help us to share your good news. Help us to be honest about where we've been at, Lord. Lord, remind us of who you are. In moments when we need it most, remind us of your goodness, remind us of your mercy. Lord, you won't smite us for making mistakes. All you ask is that we just ask for your forgiveness in those moments. and Lord, help us to live with those clean hearts. Live reliant on you, Lord. Amen. Hey, thanks again for checking out the Hills Church podcast. Hey, if this message has inspired or encouraged you in any way, why don't you share it with a friend? Hey, as well as that, we meet every Sunday at 11am at the Waterside Theatre and we'd love to see you in one of our services. But hey, thanks again for checking out the podcast. Why don't you subscribe to our channel?